Um, I didn't know I could feel that way. And I felt so like hilarious and funny. And, and I remember the people around me didn't think it was that funny, but they're the ones that gave it to me, you know? And they're like, you're being weird. I'm like, yeah, you just gave me four wine coolers and I'm 12. You know, <laughs> of course I'm being weird. <laughs> so, uh, it, but I remember being kind of ecstatic. Like I, I, I remember, I remember the seat I was sitting in. I really remember it. Yeah. And just being like, oh my God, I like it. I didn't hurt and everything was fun and happy. So I do remember that. I do. That was Britt Taylor. And this is The Recovery Revolution. It's time for The Recovery Revolution podcast. And it is unlike any recovery podcast you will ever experience. This is next-level recovery transformation featuring the most influential minds in addiction, recovery, sobriety, mindset, and entrepreneurship. We are transforming the stereotypical mundane process of recovery into one of finding your own personal path to empowerment. This podcast will revolutionize the way you look, feel, and talk about recovery. This is the Recovery Revolution. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Recovery Revolution and today we have my beautiful friend Britt Taylor joining us on the show. Britt is a mom, a martial artist, a vegan, and generally an all-around happy person. She's one of the most incredibly gifted people that I know. As a child, she played baseball, gymnastics, dance, taekwondo, soccer, crew, lacrosse, yoga, and is a black belt in karate. But all of this did not come without an incredibly wild side to Brit. She's worked in bars. She's an incredible singer. She's been in multiple bands. She is a successful musician. And through that journey, experienced her own rock-bottom moment with drugs and alcohol. It's an incredible story of resilience and overcoming the odds. So let's dive into Brit's story. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. We are all addicted to something. Money, success, food, drugs, alcohol, and even our problems. These addictions hold us back and prevent us from tapping into our greatness. My name's Omar Pinto, and I'm a life transformation coach, addiction recovery specialist, and lifestyle entrepreneur. I help people transform their business, family, and personal life every single day. So if you want to find out what's holding you back from living a life of fulfillment, success, and happiness, go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to transform your life. Today's episode is brought to you by the RRC, the Recovery Revolution Community. The RRC is our private recovery membership group that features online meetings, online support, accountability, peer-to-peer recovery support, and coaching. The Recovery Revolution is more than just a podcast. It is a support network helping thousands of people all over the world. So for more information about the Recovery Revolution podcast or how you can join the RRC, then go to omarpinto.com and get plugged into the Recovery Revolution today. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 
It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. And speaking of incredible reviews, this next one is from my good friend, The Falkster. Recovery works. Thank you for doing your part and beyond, and for using your God-given talents to bring hope to others, using your energy effectively and helping to reduce the stigma of addiction and showing that recovery works. Create a grateful day. Christopher Lee Falk. Christopher, you know I love you, brother. Thank you so much for the love. And HP, baby. Hey, Britt. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Omar. Glad to see you. I am super excited to have you on the show. How are you feeling? I feel fantastic. Thanks. Super glad to be here. Oh, man. I am pumped. I am pumped. All right. So, folks, today we have Britt Taylor joining us on the show. Britt and I met at UPW. We are both members of M1, an elite mastermind community. Britt is a second-degree black belt and director, chief instructor for Up-Level Martial Arts Academy. There are currently six Up-Level Martial Arts Academies founded by Sam Wiegert. Britt is the director of location number four. She is the first female director, chief instructor at Up-Level. And uh, Sam has a broad vision for what the future of martial arts training can look like. He believes it is time for a revolution in the way that martial arts is taught and perceived around the world. Sound about right, Britt? Amen to that. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, rock and roll. So here's, you know, the name of my podcast is The Recovery Revolution. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe myself that the way we talk about recovery, the way we look feel, hear, listen, everything about recovery, I personally believe needs some tweaking, needs some changing. So that was why I named it that way. And so as soon as I saw that description or Sam's vision, I was like, you know, Sam's probably got a similar vision as I did. It's like shit got antiquated, outdated. <laughs> we needed to update some shit. We needed to kind of spice totally. it up. We needed to like change things up. So I would love to hear from your perspective exactly what that looks like for Uplevel. Sure. Um, uh, we just have a different approach. You know, a lot of people teach martial arts and it's great. It's good for everybody. But we, we take that um, leadership growth piece to heart. So that's why we're an academy and we don't just we make black belt leaders. So it's equally important to us that the students that we're raising up, whether they're kids or adults, are not only learning their martial arts, but they're learning how to become the best possible versions of themselves. And so we definitely, you know, challenge them um, and, you know, really get them to step into the best that they can be. And that's, that's a super important part. And we teach them a lot of life skills along the way, kind of some similar things that we do in M1 on a different scale. Um, yeah. And we use martial arts as a tool. It just happens to be what Mr. Sam Wigert was really passionate about. I feel like if he was passionate about baseball, he'd have a baseball camp that taught people how to be winners. <laughs> Thank God it was martial arts, because that's definitely the most fun thing to do. <laughs> There's so many uh, parallels for the things you learn and how they apply to life, like climbing up through the belts. It takes three years to get a black belt. So you're teaching people to set long-term goals and to break them into smaller goals by you know, hey, this week I'm going to get my universal form down perfect so I can test and pass for my stripe. And then, you know, next month I'm going to get my yellow belt. And then two months later I'll get my 
green belt, you know, whatever. So they have all these micro goals that lead them up to that three gear vision. So it just really sets them up for success in life. And, you know, we train them how to break boards and that's like a real confidence boost. You know, we help them to visualize and, you know, what's that, what is it going to be? There's nothing like the face of someone who first breaks a board. They don't think they can break. <laughs> Breaking. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm literally, yeah, I'm literally having a breakthrough. I'm, I'm literally breaking through a limiting belief. I can't break this board. Right. Wait till Tony Robbins hears about this. <laughs> well, you know, and I love one, another piece that he talks about in it, in there too. He, he quotes Jim Rohn. You are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. So you surround yourself with leaders. You, you, you're creating black belt leaders. So there is a mindset. There is a philosophy. There is a vision. All, a lot of it is based on community on communication, on leadership, on all of these different things, on goal setting, on how to accomplish these goals. I mean, these children have an opportunity that many people, I would say that 99%, over 99% of the world is not going to benefit from. But ideally, ideally, as we introduce these microcultures into you know, um, our communities, It'll have a dramatic change. It's going to have a dramatic change, and, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming that's the hope that you guys have. Absolutely. I mean, we we really have um, a vision of impact, impact on our communities, and you know, impact on youth. And we do focus on youth, but we we really do a lot for the adults too. We have a lot of adults in class and uh, families trained together. Um, but by making a difference. In a person, it's definitely that ripple effect where then they go on and make, in a, different, make a difference to the people around them and, and it spreads on from there. So that's our, that's our mission. Yeah, absolutely. Be create the, a better world, one black belt at a time. <laughs> be the change you want to see in the world. 100%. All right. So um, before we, we go any further, you know, we've talked a little bit about the vision of the company and about... Um, Sam, but let's talk a little bit about Brit. So what does your normal daily routine look like, Brit? Um, I get up at the crack and I get the kids ready. <laughs> I get the kids ready um, to get on the bus. They get on real early. So it's, it's making breakfast, making lunch, brushing teeth, walking dogs, getting them to the bus stop. <laughs> and uh, so once all that's done, I kind of have the house to myself. From seven, they get on the bus at like five till seven, and then I'm the day is mine. Um, I usually don't have to go into work until about ten a.m. Uh, half the week, and then the rest of the week I have got a little bit more chunk of time. So on the the longer days, I really get to dig into that miracle morning. Um, I meditate every day. That's been really really helpful for me. It took me decades to to catch on to meditating, I would try and I'd be like, ah, sitting still sucks. But I finally (laughs) have, uh, really, really gotten into that. Um, and it's, it's where I can focus and visualize my day. So I'm pretty big on visualizing what the day is going to look like. And then, uh, planning it out. I do a lot of planning on Mondays because that's kind of my Sunday, my day off. And so I, I really kind of map out my week and my month on Mondays. Um, yeah. And I definitely stretch is a big part of it. I stretch for at least 20, 30 minutes every day. So I like to take my morning for that. 
Um, I've got a giant dry erase board in the kitchen. I get my goals up on there and, you know, I, I keep that checked and balanced and, um, and on my big chunk days, I do meal prep. So I don't have to spend a lot of time cooking during the week. Cause I'm always on the go. I'm always on my feet. Cause once I do hit the door for work, I don't sit down. I've never had a computer at a desk. I don't read email. Don't ever email me. I'll never get it. I'm really good with my phone though. I just, I'm never sitting down. I'm always on the go. So I usually, um, am, I get a lot done driving. I listen to a lot of books on the headset while I'm buzzing around the house and, or if I'm running or if I'm driving, but not on a headset. So your days, your days are very well structured. Pretty much. I mean, they have to be, they yeah. have to be. I mean, what you just detailed out there is not pretty much. It's like five, seven kids, get them on the bus. <laughs> right? Like I just kind of, you know, I mean, I just kind of casually have set up a whiteboard, set up a routine for the kids, done Miracle Morning, get to work, do not do emails, focus on this. <laughs> we, you know what happens well, is. It does sound like I have a plan, so. Yeah, no. Uh, here's the thing. That's the beauty of it. If you just caught uh-huh. this, this has now become second nature for Brit. Yes. A routine. But like a very well-planned out, methodical routine that now is just so second nature that it's like, well, you know, I mean, it's like, it's no big deal. But, you know, this Mm -hmm. is kind of like my thing. And then you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. Let's back up for a moment because there's people that are listening to this going, how do you get all that done? I got kids. I got to get them ready for school. And then you meditate? How do you meditate? Right? And then I'm visualizing my day and blah, blah, blah. But it's so true. Once you get in the practice of mm-hmm. create of of actually mapping out your week. So first of all, you map out your week. That's what you do on Mondays. So mm-hmm. now I don't have to think about it. That's what makes right. it easy because it's already mapped out. I don't have to think about, oh, my God, what am I doing on Wednesday? And somebody asked me if I wanted to do something. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, do I have something to do? No, it's like I know exactly what my week's coming from. And it takes all the uncertainty out of the equation absolutely because you know what's that old saying idle hands are the devil's playground yeah. it's like how, you, you've got to be busy i don't understand board i can't get there can't reach it <laughs> yeah no but i just feel like if you don't have a plan you you're not going to do anything but there's a couple things, you know, a couple things in place to kind of help keep me on track. I've got a buddy that I check in with every morning and we just shoot each other a quick message with a little gif at the end of it or gif. I don't know how they're saying it these days, but we 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 okay. check in every day, even if it's just like, oh, it's, it's you know, I did this last night. I'm in, I'm in a hurry, but just wanted to see how this went for you. Boom. Or sometimes we write like a story like, ah, this is what's going on and um, report this, report that. Um, But at the very base, we do like a daily gratitude. Gratitude's huge. Do your gratitudes every day. That's a good thing. Um, And another thing is that I'm in a pod of girls um, and we talk once a week. And so you want to have something to report. You check in with them. I think accountability is key for whatever you're trying to accomplish. You got to have accountability. If it's just keep it up to yourself, you, you can change your mind. Oh, totally. Totally. That's yeah. what accountability is all about. It's like there is an inner, we all have the inner six-year-old. And, oh, the, yeah. and the inner six-year-old is like, I'm not doing any of that. Like, wait, nobody's watching? Oh, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll start again next week. 
next week mm-hmm. next week yeah accountability was the next big piece here so she, on top of you know get, accomplishing all the tasks that she has setting herself up for success for the week she also has an accountability group an accountability partner right all this stuff is now seamless because it's just something that we create in the you know years ago or how how long have you been doing this you know uh, having this type of a routine and a structure uh i think i've really developed like a really good structure about it over the past two years but i've i've always been organized in a different way i feel like i'm a very disorganized person so my organization has to be it's my safety net it keeps me on track and I mean, I remember even in college, my friends would be like, oh my gosh, you're so organized. And I would laugh. I'm like, I'm literally, I don't know my name if I'm not reading it off a page. I'm disorganized. So that's just my system to keep me knowing what's going on. And I've always been um, a little nutty with Excel spreadsheets. That's mm-hmm. like Excel spreadsheets. I, I, listen, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I've got, I got a ton. Okay. So the, folks, you've got tons of suggestions here more importantly it's about implementation um and the best way to implement and to achieve a lot of these is to have some accountability so you get somebody that will hold you accountable to get your to get you organized to teach you how to be more organized to to teach you how to use a google calendar to you know program your week right for you know to 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 set you up for success so on top of all this um a big proponent to people that are in recovery and i'm assuming people that are also in martial arts is their spirituality so how do you maintain your conscious contact uh your your particular higher power your spiritual condition yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm definitely a Christian. Um, I I don't go to church as much as I'd like to because I moved pretty far away from it. But I um, I definitely take some time throughout the day to pray. I do. I'm really big on little quick little prayers. If I'm about to go out into public and there's an event and I'm looking for people to enroll in my school, I'll say a quick little prayer because sometimes that's like hard. Sales is hard. And you're about to go out and I'll just say a quick little prayer. Like, just show me the families that need this. Show me the people, help, walk them in front of me. And it always works. And um, it just keeps me connected. Um, but I would say I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely Christian and I, I, I follow my faith, but I have a really huge foot in the uh, spirituality world as, follow, as far as energy and the law of attraction. I'm, really deep into, um, you know, using energy to manifest and like, you know, what you focus on becomes, but, and I think they really link together yes. um, for me. Uh, it works for me. So I think a lot of people might have a different idea of what they think Christianity is, or maybe what they think energy in the universe is. And I would just recommend check into it and go with what feels right to you. Um, but go for something like get yourself connected to yourself in whichever way you can do that. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, it's, there is that inner, the inner monologue, the inner dialogue, there is that intuition that we all have. We all have intuition. We also have, many of us have an inner critic. So a lot of times it's like, which voice is the loudest? Like, you know, which wolf am I feeding? Because the inner critic is you know self sabotage he's negative he's you know constantly trying to you know 
avoid things and and derail us, right? And then there's that intuitive nature that that God element, spiritual element, however you want to call it, that if if you sit and if you create and cultivate that morning rit- ritual where you can ask that guiding force, "Hey, you know what? What is what is it that I'm supposed to be? Who am I supposed to meet? Where am I supposed to be? Put me in front of whoever you need to m- me to be in front of and give me the strength to 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 push forward and and to you know, battle through these fears, like you were saying, like sales, right? Like, oh my God, yeah. it's like, okay, I need, you know, I'm gonna help me push through this. Yeah. Or whatever it is. And whatever. I just really feel that like connecting yourself as a vessel mm-hmm. and, you know, getting out of your head where it's all about you and like just opening your eyes and looking around and be like, how can I be of service? How can I be, how can I, have the light shine through me. That's, and I think that's what attracted me to the job that I'm in right now, because it's just been the fullest um, expression that I've been able to use to do that is in the work that I do now, I really get a chance and an opportunity to, you know, really pour into others on a daily basis. So it's just been really rewarding, but that's uh, whenever I feel like I'm getting lost, that's, that's what brings me back to center is just remembering to be a vessel and be of service and you're always going to be okay. Yeah, absolutely. Contribution, growth Mm -hmm. and contribution. So Britt, uh, the recovery revolution is a podcast about recovery, you know, so at some point we're going to, tap into, you know, addiction. And so addiction affects all of us. It either affects us directly or affects us indirectly. And we're addicted to so many things. It's not just drugs and alcohol, even though for many of us, that's the most prevalent. That's the one that that has the biggest consequences, right? But we're addicted to food, sex, money, success, phones, right? Um, how has, if there is, but is there a way that, that addiction has affected your life? And if so, what does it cost you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, um, you know, at a pretty young age, I, I started to have kind of addictive tendencies. I was definitely addicted to television growing up. I was kind of raised by TV a lot. And then um, started smoking when I was about 12. I started drinking when I was about 14 and just like most of America as a child of divorce, I really uh, threw myself into that. Once I started drinking, that kind of became a thing. And it was for my brother too. We were really close in age and, you know, I guess we were really popular and hung out with all the drinking kids and we didn't have parents home. So people came to our house a lot and we, we partied a lot. So it just seemed really normal. And we were kind of raised that way too. Everybody in my family drank a lot and it was just always festive and positive. Um, and we just kind of went with it. So, you know, I look back and I think of if I'd have gotten better sleep and taken better care of myself and studied and, you know, and I, I, I was a jock. I ran cross country. I played tennis. I, I was always on sports teams. I rode crew and I did pretty well, but I'm just like, I wonder if I didn't smoke or drink and got a good night's sleep, like how, how well could I have done? Like how, you know, and you think about it. Um, but I think at the, the number one, the deepest cost for me has been relationships. Just, um, I moved a lot and I just didn't build any. And I think that, you know, I kind of tried to float 
free. I moved around my whole life. So I, I, I didn't connect all the way. I would keep it very, I always had lots and lots of friends, but like not anybody that I would let in. And so I was, you know, it was really lonely. I was super surrounded by people, but I think I was just like really, really, really brutally lonely for a really long time. So I, yeah, that's like the biggest expense. And if I, my memory could summon it up, I probably did some pretty embarrassing things and probably burned some bridges that I don't remember, but. (laughs) (laughs) So were you a blackout drinker? No, you know, I never was, but I was, um, I definitely would binge. That was me. I would, um, I would just drink until I went to bed. Like if I had a drink in my hand, then there was another drink the whole time. But if there wasn't a party or if there, I wouldn't drink at home by myself or anything like that. I just didn't, um, you know, I could easily not drink, but if I was drinking, I was drinking. It was the activity to be done. It wasn't like I'll have two. I've never been like, Oh, I'll have two drinks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So you would not consider yourself a social drinker? I mean, it depends on who's asking. It depends, all right? Well, I don't know. Some people would consider 30 drinks social. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, when I created my lifestyle surrounded alcohol because, you know, I was a musician and in bands and, and I majored in theater. I was like an actress and... So I worked at bars and waited to tables and that's just, you know, that was the life. So it was, it was a culture. You were in the culture. See, yeah. you kind of got to expand so, a little bit on that. Like all right. of a sudden it's like, oh, and I was in a band. You were in a band. Yeah, I'm still in that band. But then, <laughs> but then it's, um, so you don't notice it, right? You don't notice it because that's your, that's your immediate proximity. Okay. And then um, my brother, who I always, like, I, you know, he's my big brother. He's, like, 13 months older than me. And, like, to me, he was always a god. Like, just, like, worship him. And he, um, he came to visit me one time, and he was, like, not drinking. And I was like, who are you? It was so weird. And then, and he was going through divorce, and he just said, yeah, I just decided I just don't want to do that anymore. And I was like he is so smart. You know, I was just really impressed. And, um, so I told my husband, I was like, Hey, this might be a fun idea to try. Let's just kind of not drink anymore. And so we did. And of course there were definitely some, some bumps along the road, but I mean, then that's when I noticed that when I was in high school and younger in college and after college and the atmosphere, I thought I was just like normal, but I was like, no, all my friends were alcoholics. It wasn't normal. Not everybody (laughs) drinks that much. So, you know, it just, um, just became a choice to not drink. It wasn't any kind of huge rock bottom or anything like that. It was just like a, a realization of a better way, if that makes sense. How many? So, how many years did you actually? Because you you know you started in high school and then mm-hmm. the band and working at bars and all that kind of. So, so how how many years was the drinking? What was the the, the lifestyle? I mean, thirty. I don't know. How old am I? No, maybe twenty five. Like a lot, a lot. Most of my years. <laughs> okay, so so uh, half your life was at least. 
was yeah. spent was spent so so more than half. Yeah, definitely drinking. So. Okay, and what, how old were you when you formed the band? Um, I was in a band in college, and I was in another one um, in my early twenties, and then the band that I'm in now, we started right after I got married. So about 15, 16 years ago. Um, and we, it, that's my main one, but I'd been, I'd been in different bands and I moved around a lot. So I'd always have some music going on. And so but yeah, the, do you play an instrument? Do you sing? What's the deal? Yeah, I'm a singer. I can't play instruments. You're, you're a lead singer. <laughs> yes. See, it, uh, this is so fucking cool. Like it's like more and more and more. I am a, Second degree back black belt, female, right? Lead singer of a band. Been drinking over half my year of half my life, right? Like rock star partying, literally. Cause I mean you're a rock star. I mean, yeah. I mean like party like a rock star. As a matter of fact, it's like almost like this it's almost like your routine. You know, well, yeah. I mean and it's I'm like a rock star, so it's <laughs> let's do this. Yeah. Totally. So were you guys in the same band? No. Different and bands. No, I remember the first time I saw them. We worked together. We worked at a health food store. We're both like vegan health food That's people. Hysterical. Vegans are like the most drinkingest, smokingest. <laughs> Not all of them. They're great. But like, uh, so yeah, he was just the produce guy at work. I never really, I mean, we were friends, but then. I went to go see a band with a friend and he was on stage with a bass. And I was like, what is that produce guy doing? <laughs> what? So yeah, things changed pretty quick. After. I was about to say he went from the produce guy to rock God. But women were throwing underwear at him on stage. Like he, yeah, yeah. he's the man. Yeah. He's the man. And is he still playing in a band? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. He is. All right, all right. Now, are these any, like, bands that I would recognize or any of our listeners would recognize? Are you guys cover bands, or what's the deal? Probably not. Like, you know, he toured the Eastern Seaboard 30 years, and he's still playing out now. The, his current one you can find on Spotify. They're called Easy Shakes, but it's an E dot Z dot Shakes, or you'll find some rapper or something. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's really beautiful stuff. It's beautiful stuff. Um, and they've, you know, they got voted second best in South Carolina by a bunch of critics and stuff. So he's, they're doing pretty good. And they sound, I, they sound good. But, you know, we were a bunch of punk rockers, a bunch of little punk rock bands. He, you know, local, but Southeastern, Southeast and yeah, the Eastern. So it's kind of an interesting, because you've got a, a, a very very big dynamic here between this rock star party lifestyle and there's this ultra athlete you know very very driven on this side so there is there there's certainly and like you say like what would my life be like how much more um how much more athletic or how much more successful would I be or how much how much better could I do in my own in these activities if I didn't have the drinking if it you know so that mm-hmm. that that crossed my mind so how old were you when you started with the martial arts um I took taekwondo growing up 
but you know, my, my dad was a Marine and that's why we always moved so much. Yeah, okay. And so I mean, I'd start things and then pick them up somewhere else. So I never really built it up. And then it was kind of the same for my husband. He took it in college as like a college credit. And then we went to sign up our kid and uh, they trained adults also. So we both started over at White Belt with our kids. So I've been about four and a half years now as an adult, but probably on and off about eight years as a kid, but not, I never like black belted or anything like that. I just kind of took it. Just and I did lots it. of other sports. I did gymnastics and I used to teach gymnastics and dance and karate. And I, yeah, I mostly been a runner my whole life, but I just, I really took to it when I started with up level and I started working for them when I was a orange belt. So like my first six months of starting, I started working for them just at the bottom in, you know, sales. And, um, it's just, it just what they do. And, and it just is a hundred percent in alignment with like who I am and what I wanted, um, out of a career. So I just really kind of took off with it and it's been, it's been good. So, what were some of the major consequences that you faced in that 25 year span of time mm-hmm. for the, you know, with the drinking? Um, just probably not great career choices. You know, I was really a smart kid and I was, um, I was academically gifted genius IQ since I was really little, but I just barely, I even actually dropped out of high school um, when I was a junior and then I had to, I moved and I started back in and I went to summer school every year and I I graduated on time. So then um, I went to college, but I, I didn't go to a good college because I want to go to the same college as my brother and it was a party school. And, and then I guess I was just, trying to find something and I majored in theater and I did really love it, but I decided not to do it. Honestly, I was a little bit afraid. I was afraid if I went to New York or Los Angeles that I would, I would really get in trouble. I would just fall into the wrong crowd. I felt like, you know, in movies, people did these big drugs and everything. And all I knew about was like pot, (laughs) like, you know, we did some acid in college, you know, and that was big time. But like, I, I was like, I, I didn't want to get under the bridge downtown. You know, what I'm about? I was like, I better not, you know, and I just feel like if I had a little bit stronger core of, um, um, self-respect and confidence that that's probably what, what it was. And I just kind of, I feel like I use it as like a, like hiding, like I'm not great. I'm yucky. So I'm just going to hide down here. And so I think, yeah, that is the cost. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, you know, what we, you know, from what we talk about and what we do on a daily basis is mindset, right? What we do is to crush limiting beliefs with which ultimately changes our mindset. It allows us to look at the world differently. It allows us to, you know, have these dramatic paradigm shifts. And so here I am, right, with this, I'm going to acting, I'm doing, I'm, I'm in I'm taking acting classes or whatever, right? Like, there's a part of me that's like, hey, maybe I could be an actress. And then there's another part of me that says, whoa, easy does it, 
right? If we get over yeah. there, we're going to end up under a bridge. Like other people are thinking to themselves, oh my God, I could make it. I could be like this amazing actress. And I go, dude, seriously? I could end up in rehab, right? Yeah. And I, I was afraid of if I did make it and I had a lot of money. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, um, I was pretty good. I got a lot of really good feedback and I got good parts. And um, gosh, I remember I even, I was in this live weekly soap opera and like the agent, the agent, this is in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a big film town. Um, It's like a little mini Hollywood and you get a lot of jobs because there's not a lot of actors there, but there's a lot of work there because everyone's trying to go out to LA. And so I was going to go to LA after that. And then I landed like the agent because we did a skit. It's kind of like a Saturday night live kind of thing. And we did a skit that we ha- had to, I had to play her and this other guy played her husband's and I, uh, her husband. And I went to meet her to kind of observe her and they were in this argument and they were on the way to a funeral. And it was, and she was like, I'm so sorry. I can't meet with you right now, but I observed them for 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm good. I got it. <laughs> and I played her and she came to see it and she said i'm gonna represent you this is it and it was like everybody was trying to land that angel. it was a big deal so i moved i moved to hawaii <laughs> i was like ah <laughs> this is yeah. huge brit like like this is i mean this is there is there is definitely underlying you know issues limiting beliefs like as a matter of fact you were talking about when you were drinking uh-huh. where it's like you would pull away from people yes like for you, drinking would would isolate you more than engage you. Yeah. Well, I'd be really social. Like I would talk to five thousand people, but I wouldn't really attach to anyone. Ah, okay. You were like the yeah. the social butterfly. Super social. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, Super don't social. don't back me in a corner. Yeah. Right, because the one on one thing is like, ooh, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, gross. <laughs> right. So this amazing. So you could have. Did you see? Did you? I just finished seeing uh, a Star Is Born. I have not seen it yet. I have kids. We don't get to watch movies. Yeah, yeah, and you certainly do not want to watch that movie with the kids. No, and even when we watch them at home, like the, the last movie I saw was Ralph Rex the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> and before that was Incredibles two, and before that was Black oh, Panther. Oh, yeah. Okay. We and, cannot, the kids outlast us at night, so we can't even like watch an adult movie when they go to sleep. And by adult movie, I mean a Star Is Born. Wow! No, no, no. A Star Is Born is yeah. yeah. It, it's it's heavy. It's a very heavy movie. But then again, oh, oh, it's it's the acting is spectacular. It's spectacular. For those of you that are in early recovery, I do not recommend you watch it. It's you know you just at the end you're just like amazing acting, but oh my god. Wow, I need to watch like some child movie, <laughs> Wreck It yeah. Ralph yeah. or something. It's, but you know, it's I'm, it's just it's so curious because here you are. It's like here's this person who is super athletic, super outgoing, super driven, martial arts going, at, and then meanwhile, this humongous imposter syndrome. Of oh my god, I, you know I I I can't do this. I can't, you know. I mean, you know. So was it was the main thing? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question. Maybe maybe we'll just go there right now, right? Yeah, go for it. You know, because because here's the one that 
as a coach, right? It's these limiting belief questions, right? So I can't do this because, or once I achieve this, I'll be happy. They learn or pick up patterns from role models in their life, not realizing they are now in charge of their own story. So what is the story that you were telling yourself back then, right? Your biggest limiting beliefs. And what is it that you believe now? Well, I think back then, I think one of the things that really drew me to acting, because I started acting at a pretty young age, is that you could be somebody else. And I was really, really good at getting very in touch with emotion. So I could pull any emotion out as long as I was being somebody else. It could be my emotion and I could feel it all, all the way and I could be in front of millions of people, no problem. But when it came to um, them knowing the real me, I was like, nobody wants to know who I really am because they would hate me. I'm gross. I'm terrible. So that would be, you know, I would, I, I, that's why I was so social. I'd be like, oh yeah, that's me, it's me, but not the real me. And so I feel like I really hid that. I, just, I think I had a really deep rooted fear that if anyone really knew who I was, that, that I was like unlovable, you know? And I think that's pretty common. I think that's a common thing. Um, but it's just when I, I'm, I'm glad for everything I've gone through over the years, because I think it really helps me to um, help other people. But it was just such a waste to spend so many years just feeling so sad, you know? when life just has so much to offer and it's just so much more fun when you can live it up front and not hiding, you yeah, know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what was the root cause from that? Like it, what was the event, right? Cause at some point I, I have this idea of like, when does, when does that fucking dialogue start of, you know, if, if they find out who I am, Right. If they if they only knew who I was and I'm this horrible person. Yeah. I mean, I had some trauma when I was really young, like really young. I was I was taken advantage of when I was a toddler. And um, I think that that probably is where it all stemmed from. But I didn't know that until I was about 28 and it all came to me. And I didn't ever believe that people I didn't even believe in repressed memories, but they're real. Yeah. So I, yeah, when I was 28, I, I remembered everything. Um, and that kind of answered a lot of questions. And it was really shortly after that, that I started dating my husband, which I think is, you know, maybe, maybe that unhooked something that made me feel worthy again or something because I let somebody in to love me, you know? So I think, I I think that's what I was burying. I really do. So really, for mm-hmm. 28 years or f- from the from the event up until age 28 years old and imagine being a toddler i mean jesus christ and, i know right i mean horrible so then there's just this kind of looming darkness that you can't connect with for 28 years basically mm-hmm. this yeah. sense of impending doom and that yeah. there's something wrong with me yeah that was the overriding feeling of my life is that there was something wrong with me and I was unlovable. That was like my definition. It's and not now. I'm good. Now. What is it that you, which I was just about to ask. So what is it that you believe now? Oh my gosh. I think I'm pretty awesome. 
<laughs> Come on, I love this. I really do, though. I yes, mean, not, so do I. I'm fucking awesome. Not yeah. in like a smug way, but it's just like, I, you know how you can see other people now and really see like, oh, honey, whatever it is, you're so great. It's yes. Like you just want to let them know how great they are. And um, and that that is what, and, and that's why, again, going back to my job, I get to do that. I see people, I can look at them and see them. And say, oh my gosh, you're you're worth something. You're great, and let's let's uh, let's get that, pull that out in you, and have you see yourself in the mirror as this awesome person. And so, you know, it all it, it's all part of the, and that's what I think. It's all part of the divine plan. Like it it sucked, but it made me so much, and it, it gave me so much um, depth and meaning and understanding and 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 compassion and. Um, forgiveness and learning how to forgive and learning how to forgive yourself and learning. And I, I don't think I would be this type of person that I am now that I love. I think I'm, I really do think I'm great. You are awesome. <laughs> but, You're amazing. But I wouldn't be her if, if, if I didn't have that little girl, you know, that I had to go through all of that to get there. And that's one of the reasons I'm really Christian too, because every time in my life that I, it was all falling apart, something would happen. And I, I would feel, I honestly would feel like the Lord come in and save me. And it would be like a sign. It would be, you know, I, I would just kind of get pulled away from danger and protected. And it happened, you know, several times in my life. And that's, you know, I'm just really grateful for that and for the people that were put in my path and the situations that were put in my path to kind of steer me in a more positive, better place. Cause if it, you know, if I weren't open to that and didn't see it, then I, who knows where I could have ended up, you know? Oh. And I just think where other people have ended yes. up and didn't you know, get, yes. it, get it. 5150, right. the psych ward in jail, right? There's so many different, there's so many different directions that you could have gone in but you know the the alcohol or the the numbing effect of it right like i'm not having one drink i'm having 50 you know what i mean like i it's just i'm just going to keep somewhere along the lines i probably well do you remember the first time you had your first drink yep and how did that feel what was that like um I didn't know I could feel that way. And I felt so like hilarious and funny. And, and I remember the people around me didn't think it was that funny, but they're the ones that gave it to me, you know? Mm -hmm. it was, um, and they're like, you're being weird. I'm like, yeah, you just gave me four wine coolers and I'm 12. You know, <laughs> of course I'm being weird. <laughs> so uh, it, but I remember being kind of ecstatic. Like I, I, I remember, I remember the seat I was sitting in. I really remember it. Yeah. And just being like, Oh my God, I like it. I didn't hurt and everything was fun and happy. So I do remember that. I do. Okay. And so then, this is where it all begins, Britt. This yeah. is what, it, what you just described there. I didn't know I could feel this way. Right. I didn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. So, up until I'm 12 years old, I'm in this tremendous amount of pain that I don't even know where it's coming from, but I, there's this sense of impending doom. 
and then I have to, and then, and then I'm afraid, and then I'm not good enough, and then I'm not worthy, and then I have four wine coolers, and I am super fucking man. awesome, man. I'm Superwoman. <laughs> Pretty much. And I call that, like in a lot of cases, like when I'm coaching somebody, especially when it comes to alcohol, it's yeah. like, tell me about one drink Brit. Tell me about what it feels like when that alcohol hits. You know, and tell me what that, yeah, I call it one drink Brit or one drink whoever it is. Could be one drink Omar. I I don't know who one drink. No, no, no. I No, no, no. I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. Because I don't yeah. stop. Right. Uh-huh. But once the alcohol, it could be one or two. It doesn't matter. It's once the alcohol, the buzz kicks in. Uh-huh. Once the buzz, once the buzz kicks in and all of a sudden I go... Ah, right. And all the emotional change happens. It's just you. It's I feel different. Right. I feel funny. I feel light. I feel comfortable. I feel at ease. Yeah. Right. And all of that negativity just washes away for a moment. Yeah. The only problem is for those of us who have a tendency to have out have addictive personalities. We're chasing that feeling all night. So it's just like, oh, give me another one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Right? But what I'm trying, all I'm trying to do is get to that feeling that I get right when the buzz kicks in of peace, of calmness, of Mm self-acceptance, of Mm self-love, of harmony almost, of balance. Like I, it's it's indescribable. Like when you started describing, you're like, oh. I didn't know I could feel this way. And I'm 12. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and also when you think about the acting, I can be anybody else but me. Right. 100%. That was, that was my life. That was my life for a long time. Alcohol is the same thing. I can be anybody else. Yeah. But me right now. Yeah. Or whatever it was. It was, uh, I used to get addicted to running. I ran marathons. And I would run 10 miles a day. And one day I burnt my shoes because I, I would run in the rain. I didn't care what the weather was. Yeah, I was running. Yeah. I burnt them because I set them on the, the heat thing and, and they melted. And I, like, it was a crisis. I went straight to the mall and bought new running shoes immediately. And I was, like, super rude to the guy that sold them to me because I was, like, hostile. I was like, I need shoes right now. <laughs> so it was... It's whatever it is, right? You're just like, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. Well, so. you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm just, I'm, it's a baby. We talk about that, the child, right? It uh, needs soothing and comforting. Yeah. And I've got my running shoes. And as long as the running shoes are there, I'm cool. I'm not even conscious of it. <laughs> because they're there. Mm-hmm. They burn my whole world burned down to the ground. Yeah, that was like... There is nothing that's going to happen in my life until I get a new pair of shoes. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and it's no different than with the alcohol, with the drugs, with the phone, whatever it is, right? Like, I remember when I was, you know, like, I'm coming to terms with the addiction of my phone, but, you know, I remember when I lost my phone, I don't even know where I was at, and it was like, we're not doing anything until I get another phone. 
Right. That's, that is, that's the definition of addiction, right? Yeah. Is it, it's, no, I cannot move forward I, one more step until this is fixed. I, I have, my life. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My life has become unmanageable. I have become powerless when we talk, when, and, and yeah. when, when they talk about being powerless, Imagine, I can't move, I can't do anything, I can't live my life, I can't move forward until this thing right here, I have it, mm-hmm. right? Because, and it's not so much, a, a lot of times we talk about it filling me, but more than anything else, it's a comfort. It's my whoopee. I, okay, 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 it's here, it's here. Everyone can relax now. Right. Everything. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. And it's, it's, it's so it, it could be this, this, I'm, I'm trying to fill something, but really I need this to comfort myself. So question then I'm 28. I have this breakthrough of, Oh my God, this happened to me. Right. What was the process of healing that? Because you met your husband right after, right? Yeah, pretty messy. I already knew him. Um, we worked together and we knew each other and we were friends, but he had a girlfriend. It He wasn't on my radar as a romantic interest at all. Um, but then, yeah, it, it definitely, it was a, it was a messy process. <laughs> okay. Um, How messy? Well, just, I mean, probably like a lot of denial, you know, like that it's not, I'm not remembering right. I'm not. And then like more memories kind of flooding back in and filling out the pieces. And then, and then a lot of anger at like who was watching over me and why did this happen? And, um, you know, and then I, I had a lot of hostilities toward my mom. Um, she was kind of mentally unstable and, um, that was like a really difficult relationship. And so that got all wrapped up in it. And it just, it wasn't her fault. She had nothing to do with it, but it, and it wasn't a family member or anything like that, but it was just, um, it, it, I think just constant realizations. Awareness. And, awareness. And different. Um, well, just like flashes of memories would okay. come in mm-hmm. like whenever they felt like it. And I'd be like, God, really? And, um, then, yeah, just and and anger over the person that pulled the memory out of me because it was someone I didn't really care for a lot. That was a friend that always liked to like ask really probing questions and dig into people's business and just kind of pushing me and pushing me and pushing me and and it came out and um, so I was angry at her and I was um, yeah. I mean, I guess if you really look at the list, probably all the classic <laughs> classic reactions, you know, and then. Um, but I think it did break something down that um, it at the end kind of empowered me a little bit where I could kind of say, oh, well, maybe I'm not, maybe it's not all my fault. Maybe I'm not like, so this is why, you know, cause I didn't, I didn't know, like, I didn't know. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing. Like it, it doesn't seem believable because I heard people say that before and I'd be like, of course I knew they just like chose not to remember it. But it's, I literally had no idea my whole life. And then I had vivid, vivid memories and I was like, whoa. So it's just like a lot to process is like, like just finding out, you know? And then, um, and then maybe 
a little bit of an unhealthy way to like get to blame it on that. I'm like, oh, it's not my fault, you know, and then and then coming back around and taking ownership of your choices. So but I do think that it probably chipped down my wall of no one can get in here. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I dated a lot. I got around, but I didn't like and I even like had boyfriends and everything, but I never could commit. If I had like a long term boyfriend, I always knew I was like, "Mm," you know, like, like, let's get a dog. I'm like, let's get two dogs. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? I always had a foot out. I was never really. Like this wasn't really ever going to go the long haul, you know? And I just, I think I finally allowed myself to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's it. I finally allowed myself to be vulnerable. Um, I don't know that I necessarily attached it at the time. It's maybe in retrospect right now, looking at it because it was right after that, that I noticed my husband as a person, not just my friend that I worked with. Right. (laughs) And, and, and did you tell him everything? No, I, 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 nobody really knows about it. I, I told him maybe a year ago and not in detail or anything like that. So I haven't really, it's not something I've gotten into and talked about, you know. Now there's I mean, only going to be thousands of people listening to it. <laughs> that's funny because I don't know. It's all in context. You know, it's like, not something you're like, hey, I'm going to announce this, but it's right. like this is an instrument of help. So I feel like it's an appropriate platform to be of service and yes. you know, let other people know, like, hey, it's okay. Maybe this resonates with you, and maybe maybe you haven't thought about it yet, and you're definitely going to be okay on the other side. People people survive. <laughs> yeah. Well, so many people. I mean. Much like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Sexual abuse, right? Is I, as soon as you discover the alcohol and the drugs, I yeah. never have to think about that or feel that way ever mm-hmm. again. And it becomes this is it. This is the solution. This is what I've been searching for my whole life. No more questions. Let's just go. Yeah. You know, so, um, so you meet your husband. Right. Um, and so, I mean, when, and, and then all these, these, all the different thoughts when I think about it too, I'm like, yeah, of sure, course, sure. of course she's a runner. Right. Like, and I need to run cause I'm running, <laughs> right? Like whatever's back there, I can't, I can't get far enough away from it. <laughs> yeah. And like distance runner, distance runner, mm-hmm. like, like I wasn't going for a jog. No, how like, far can I get from the yeah, like and as hour. soon as it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it also makes you stronger. Endurance, right? Like how much stronger can I be? And you know, black belts, you know, do degree belt. But I mean there's a, how do I create this physical toughness to go so that that'll help me become mentally tough. And really, the mental toughness comes through going through it, just barreling through it. So, it's so. What what are your biggest like aha moments and takeaways that you learn going through this process? Um, I think I I don't really think I had like a huge 
aha then. I think that was like a stepping stone. You know, I think it was great because it opened me up for that relationship, you know, and I'm, I'm so glad I married my husband. He's awesome. Um, but I really don't think it wasn't until after I had kids that I really got it all together, you know, and started saying, Hey, there's something more important than me in the world. And, and it's weird because like when I was pregnant, not drinking was totally the easiest thing ever. Like no problem. It wasn't even, and I was never like, cause they say, Oh, you can have one or two glasses of wine and people are like you can have. And I'm like, why, <laughs> why would I have one glass of wine? That's the worst idea ever. Like you like, do so you do talk like an addict. I mean, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's like that's exactly it's like you you know you can have one. Why would I one? Who has one? What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I want sixty. Like I don't know what are you talking about? <laughs> You're not wrong. Dude, You're not that wrong. Is brilliant. But yeah, but so um, yeah, after I got married, you know, my husband and I drank a bunch, but, and we had parties at our house all the time and we both worked in bars and worked at the health food, <laughs> health food store. Of course, it's about. <laughs> I was in charge of, I was the manager of vitamins. He was the manager of produce and we were both in bands and we both also worked at bars. So. And one thing that really attracted me to him, though, is that we're, we're both workaholics. We were already really good friends at work because we were always there because we were you couldn't be alone in the building. You had to have at least another manager with you. But we had keys. So we would always like, oh, I got a bunch to do. It's inventory. And we would always like burn the midnight oil working. And that's how we became like really good friends. So we, um, you know, always be working on taking care of business and everything. But then um we we had you know definitely some difficulties in our first year of marriage revolving around alcohol and just like us being nice to each other and you know learning how to do that and how to work with that and um and then yeah after we had kids it definitely simmered down but then when my brother came to visit me and this is when my kids were like 4 and 5 um three and four, maybe they, and he told me he wasn't drinking anymore. And I said, let's try it. And then, um, for me, it was great. And I just, I never, I was like, I just decided right then I was like, Oh, we don't drink anymore. And that was it. And, um, then it wasn't as easy for my husband. Um, he struggled with that a little bit more, like he decided, but then he didn't understand that that's what we decided. And then I, and then I was like, maybe I did kind of pull the wool over his eyes, but I thought it was clear. And then, you know, we just had a lot of really open communications on, this has got to be your decision. I can't force you to do this, but what do you want out of life? And what do you, and we, you know, probably went through about three rounds of that over the course of a couple, three years, maybe two. Yeah about two years. And then now when we go out with our bands or which honestly, it sounds like we do music all the time. It's, it's not that often, but it's the only time we get to go out because our bands are a a city away, um, about an hour and a half away. And that's where his parents live. And that's the only time we go out because we have kids. So we can leave them at his parents' house and go out. We don't ever go out in the beautiful city of Charlotte that has so much to do. So we're with our kids. So we go to Columbia and, 
And when we see everybody and they're like, oh man, last night, oh, and we're just like, oh my gosh. And then they have to play tonight and they're still hungover. And it's one thing to be cute and bounce back in your mid twenties, but like we're in our forties and fifties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're looking at them and they're like, oh, I gotta get on stage. <laughs> and they're smoking a pack of cigarettes and they're like, hey, anybody got any BC powders? And, you know, and and then the bartender's like, you left your tab last night. And man, I remember how big our tabs used to be. It's like so cheap now. We don't, you know, when you don't drink, it's, you don't really spend that much money. Well, you know, I, I you know, here's the, here's the interesting thing, right? Um, and, and hopefully it doesn't trigger anything. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Like I, I imagine, or I think about the Brit that, you know, burned her shoes, uh-huh. Right? And it was like, you know, until I get this next pair of shoes, like I'm but then and the alcohol at was a similar similar remedy to what was going on. So enough must have dropped off because I mean, for somebody to come into your life uh-huh. to say your brother, right? And go, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm done drinking. And for uh-huh. you to go, gee, that's kind of cool. I think I'm going to stop drinking. I've been drinking for 25 years, right? Yeah. I mean, do you even remember like processing that, that and, may, or, and how that decision was like so simple for you? Yeah, I think that maybe I was looking for it. Okay. And hadn't put my finger on it. I hadn't put my finger on what it was, but I knew I just wanted things to be different. I knew I wanted to be more mature and I knew I wanted to just kind of And that was when I was really in some marathon running streaks too. And I was like coloring my hair a lot and really short platinum blonde hair. And I was like, you know, I don't know, midlife crisis-ish, but I, I don't know. I just always really looked up to my brother and it kind of was a worldview changing moment because for him not to drink meant Mm. I had to reevaluate exactly what everything meant. Because I was like, but we're Olsons. <laughs> like we, like, <laughs> That's what we do. Right. And I, um, and I didn't argue with him about it. I was just like really impressed. And he was going through a really ugly divorce at the time. Mm. And I knew like in his, it, yeah, that it was, it was tough and he didn't want it to happen. And it dragged out for years and, and, And I just was watching how much better his life was. And he's like a definite, he's a workaholic success driven guy. He's like super successful salesperson, like, like top two salespeople in the country for what he does. And I mean, he's like a boss, you know, but he, so, you know, that divorce kind of really messed with him and he took it as a huge failure. And then here he was just, being really great at life. And I already thought he was great at life, but I was like, wow, he's getting even better. And I just started thinking about it. And, and he was just talking about why he did it. And, and it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of sell or anything like that. It was just him telling me what was going on. And he didn't really even put it in words. Like I've quit drinking or he was just like, I just decided not to do that anymore. You know, it was just real easy breezy. And, Um, and it just made so much sense. And I was like, I want that too. 
You know, I want, that's what's missing. That's the thing. And oh. so, yeah. Whatever, whatever. So whatever it was that you were soothing about had healed itself. Whatever you had work had, had found, you had, I mean, we don't have enough time in this interview to find out what that right. is, but, uh, but along the ways, the, the healing happened, right? Maybe it was yeah. just, you know, your particular process of going through it and how you went through it, but something, and then, and then you were ready because the most authentic version of Brit is brilliant, all right? She's, she's a badass athlete, right? She's book smart, like brilliant in that aspect, super talented, an actress, a musician, like the real Brit is like, dude, enough with the fucking shenanigans already. Like it's time to grow up. And here's your brother. And you're like, here it is. Here it is. Let's it's, it's, it's time. Yeah. Sound about right. Yeah. It feels like that's the person who showed up. Yeah, that's totally right. I love it. I love it. Which, which it, this might be the question. Cause I, you know, this is one of my favorite questions to ask. So this might be the question. Uh, you know, I love when Tony Robbins talks about burning the boats, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, to take the island, you got to burn the boats. So there's, yeah. this, there's this time in your life, this moment in your life where it's like, not one more day, not one more hour, not one more minute. I'm not going to tolerate this in my life anymore. What was that pivotal moment for you? I mean, I... Uh, for me, it really, honestly, it's not as exciting, but it was kind of a slow burn. Like it just kind of fizzled out. And I was like, that's it. And I, I mean, I think a lot of it was watching my brother's marriage dissolve and looking at myself and my husband and my husband had a bigger struggle and a, and I think it had a bigger hold on him. And I didn't want, I didn't want us to go down that road. And I was like, it's not that important to me, so I'll just stop, and then we'll both stop, you know. And I just, I just wanted, I wanted our marriage to be okay. I wanted us to raise healthy kids that saw a good example, you know. And I mean, it wasn't. We definitely weren't like drinking every night, but he, he was like secret drinking and hiding beers around the house and stuff. And I'm not trying to tattletale on him. He'll, he's open. <laughs> but like, it was a bigger concern and a bigger, um, I mean, a hundred percent, a great idea also for me not to drink a hundred percent. That's goes without saying for sure. Um, but I just felt like I could stop. But since I had this role model now that I looked up to so much, I was like, oh, we can all, it was like a team effort. I guess we're going all the way back to accountability now, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I think that's what it was. I just want, it was really a go team. That's it. It was a go team. It's like, go team. We're going to, we're all going to be like this now. <laughs> it, it, it's, so. it's, it, and again, as we circle back around and you extrapolate all, you know, all, all those value bombs from there, it all circles back to circle of influence accountability who you're who what you see what is in your environment mm -hmm. and so and regardless here's the cool thing you've got all this debauchery around you every time you go and and hang out with your band members okay 
But the beautiful thing is like, I've got two examples. Yes. <laughs> this, this one. Yeah, I'm out. Right. This one is, this is the direction that I want to go in. And once you kind of disconnect from the FOMO, because that's a, a lot of it too. It's like, oh man, you know, I'll. God, I have zero FOMO when I see people drinking it up. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and we we have fun like uh, finding places that have like special ginger ales, like the spicy ginger ales, or kombucha on tap, or you know, kind of the mocktails. We'll get jacked up on Red Bull. <laughs> We're like, we're partying too. Stay away from that shit. That's fucking poison. (laughs) No, that's yeah. That's a whole other. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, no, I gave up coffee this year. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, so you. Yeah. Yeah, No, what you were telling me, I'm like, yeah, that. Okay. I I am addicted to challenges, and I'm addicted to giving up addictions. That's what my thing. I'm all it's in. always something I've always got, you know, I've got a little, um, so I have really been working on what becoming less of this. I'm either 110 or I'm zero. Those are my two speeds and trying to be like, maybe it's just totally fine to be 55. <laughs> just, you know, and you can kind of speed up sometimes and you kind of slow down sometimes, but like, I'm, I, that's what I'm working on right now. It's like, it's just, I don't have to be, you know, a workaholic or I'm crashing and watching TV. It's like, maybe I can just. I think that here's the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. and as I, I think that's the human, the human being, the human doing, however you want to, you know, there's people that am I, am I a human being or am I a human doing? And the thing is that what I've recognized in my own life is that if I'm not working towards something, Mm, then that's yeah. that's when I can slip into the zero and the nothing and the complacency and the boredom if I'm not working towards something. And God forbid I get because I listen like you. I am like my routine for the next week is already pretty much set up before the weekend. Before the before the weekend, my next week's. Pretty much, you go through my Google calendar, it's already locked in, right? Yeah. So I'm all, I mean, I am structured and rigid and I, and I love my routines. But if I am not working towards something else, something bigger, right? Mm-hmm. The only difference is it's like I'm not going to miss sleep. I'm not going to obsess. I'm not going to deprive my family of my presence, which is that with it has been huge challenge for me. Right, being Thanks. present and being reminded that I'm not being present. Mm-hmm. At some point, it's like it was like, wow, okay, just because I want this doesn't mean I have to do everything now. Like I don't have to just keep working and working, working, working until I get there. Right? It's all about the journey. Once you once it clicks, that it's not about the destination. Because how many times have you like been so like? driven and excited about something and it's like i can't wait and i'm doing this and i'm getting there and blah, blah, blah. and then you get there and you're like wasn't that great it's well i think it's great but then you're like oh i'm done now yeah yeah either like, way there's this sense of like that mountain to climb 
Yeah. It's listen, as long as you have a journey, that's where mm-hmm. the juice is. The juice is in the journey. Yeah. 100% agree. Couldn't agree more. Bob Proctor talks about that. It's not about making the million. It's about who you become in yes. the process. Bob Proctor. My man. All right. Let's start shutting it down. Let's. I got a couple of closing questions for you. Okay. All right. So do you have any favorite books that you recommend to our listeners? Yes. My number one favorite book ever is, oh, do I have it right here? Oh, shucks. I handed it to somebody. It's The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Oh, God. It's been recommended to me three times. You need to read this book. Everybody needs to read this book. You you touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's about that voice in your head that never shuts up. Yes. And it's always commenting and narrating everything you do. The inner critic. Yes. And it's it's learning how to become the watcher of that voice Mm -hmm. and knowing that that voice is not you. Mm -hmm. And just... Yeah, it's a really great way to teach you how to get out of your head and participate in real life and be right there in the now and not letting yourself stick because you see something and then you, you're like, oh, that reminds me of this. And you start thinking about it and you have now frozen yourself in that spot in time and you're not in the real world. You're not in the present because you've stuck your thought on this thing. And so it's it really teaches you to recognize it and stop doing that. And it does it in just such a great way. It's such a great read. I, I couldn't recommend that more. And I've actually probably bought about 15 copies of that book to give to people. Oh, I love it so much. man. I, I sitting all the time. See, here's the thing. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, you need this book. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> it's been recommended. I don't know how many times. And so we're going to, we're only going to recommend that one. Cause that one's like, I can't recommend yeah. it enough I'll now. It and then I'll recommend it. Yeah, because here's here's the thing, I it was recommended to me like this has got to be number four in the last two months, and I so I was like, and I go, oh no, you were one of the ones that did. okay, so yeah. never never mind, that's number three, but there was another, there was two others, and here's the thing, I was I was going through my bookshelf. Uh-huh. Because I was looking for books, you know, I'm doing you an outline. It? I my wife had it, and I go, oh, oh it's here! Yeah. Boom! It's out! It's getting done, right? So, yeah. no, I just found it last week. Okay, start reading it tonight. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it takes a lot to read because you'll read a little bit, and then you're just like, whoa! You have to kind of process it and think about that. That's what got me into meditating, actually, that book. Okay, yeah. okay. But really, uh, the premise of it, from what I understand now, because I'm reading another book right now called The Monkey Mind. which Oh, my, my daily check-in girl, Kim Yudan, she's reading that book. She's my, my accountability buddy I check in every day, and she can't stop talking about it. It's very similar, because what you're mentioning right here is becoming the observer. So mm-hmm. instead of getting attached to the conversation in my head about this situation, because two people walk into a store, Right, and no. they see the the store. They see the whole thing differently. There's a whole line of people. I knew I shouldn't have come in. I can't believe I walked into this store. I, I do they know who I'm? So late. I can't wait in line. The other person's like, oh, good thing I brought a book with me. You know, occasionally there's a long line, and it's like you know. So you become the observer of this dialogue instead of the it, the dialogue. Right, you separate yourself from that. From that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to have. Here's the thing: personal development books 
all the same shit, different spin, right? Like, yeah, as like, you gotta, you gotta, no, no, it no. Is, sometimes it's written in that way that it really is. you, you know, that's like speaking your language and it, and because I thought I was already so evolved because I already do the, you know, law of attraction and vision boards and I'm, I'm in, man, I'm all the way in and I, I got it and energy and I'm, I'm, you know, I got my Arctic Rose going on, I know. And then I read that Untethered Soul and I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> but my my buddy Kim, she and I read it together at the same time. Okay. So, and now she's the one reading the book that you're reading. And I'm reading um, Joe Dispenza's, um, what's it called? The, I, that's what I'm reading right now. And it's also super mind blowing and deep, but read Untethered Soul first because the one I'm reading now is a little, um, it, not difficult to read, but it's definitely heavier. Like you really have to, it's more cerebral. You're like, uh, oh, becoming supernatural. Mm. That's a, well, there's uh, a couple of books that I want to, what I want to read. I mean, I've got another one here. It's called um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is hysterical, but it's another one about, you know, like the, it talks about the, uh, oh my God, the dialogue loop or something like that. It's a lot of like very similarities, right? Um, and then what's the other one? Um, just, it just, it just, it just went right by me. Uh, anyway, bottom line is these these are all great these are all great books that allow you to kind of you'll get that one that one nugget that you're talking about here was like oh my god the brain likes repetition right the unconscious mind likes repetition so the more you introduce a topic to it with these different spins it just yeah. you you eventually it becomes a part of you, right? Yeah. And, and um, it's all life-changing. It's all life-changing. But it's one of the reasons why I had changed my format because I wanted to have these kind of conversations. I want to have conversations that weren't just about, like, what happened, what was it like, and what is it like now, right? It's like, okay, so I want to know, you know, the, 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 the gems, like, what was that like when you burned the boats? And what was it like when, you know, you had these aha moments? And let's expand on those. And for example, what are your three most powerful I am statements? I am worthy. I am a leader. And I shine the light. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I love those. What is your personal success formula or blueprint for success? Um, for me, I think, and I say this to people a lot, is just whenever you're in not a great state, just open your eyes and look around at other people and get out of yourself. This is crazy town. It's not real. It's not real. And people just live in there. And so I think that by lifting physically lift up your head and look at people around you, none of them care about what's going on in here. They can't hear it. They don't know about it. It's irrelevant. So just let it go. That's maybe not so much a more of a philosophy, but it's and it works for me all the time, all the time. And even little moments, you know, and I say it to my kids all the time in a lot of different ways. But it's just whatever it takes. And, and that just works for me for getting out of my head is when you just make eye contact or look, just look at other even if they don't make eye contact with you, look at other humans, <laughs> 
wonder what they are doing. And you know what? They're the same place. They're so busy worried about themselves. They don't even know you're looking at them. So it's just, you know, get out of your head and connect. Start worrying about other people. If you're worried about yourself, start worrying about other people and everything will be okay. That is a philosophy and it's beautiful. It's brilliant. All right. This is not crazy town is not real. That's ex- <laughs> it's so it's what, exactly what it is. It is. Yeah. I made a wrong turn, right? I made a left on crazy street headed right into crazy town, right? And somewhere I'm stuck in gridlock traffic. So get up and go watch other people, right? It's, it's really what you're doing is it's, it's a pattern interrupt, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah. stu- I'm stuck, 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 stuck. And then all of a sudden I'm focusing on whatever, how somebody's drinking their coffee or what they're doing or what they're saying. And I get a right. new, I get a, a brand new perspective immediately. And I really love to observe patterns. I love to observe patterns and watch other people with like zero judgment, just looking. I've been doing that a lot at work because there's, we have these all school staff meetings. And there's a lot of people. And then in the director's meeting, there's only like four directors. And we, we kind of talk about everybody in um, like our staff issues and things. And, and, and then we see all the staff like interacting and I just love to watch and learn. And like I said, it, it, there's no judgment involved in it at all. It's hundred percent observatory, but like observing people, it just, um, yeah, get out of your own head and just be concerned about others. And not in a way like I'm so concerned. I'm gonna I'm gonna clothe the homeless. I mean, do that, but like that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? We 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 know what you mean. We know what you mean. All right. So, Britt, Britt, what is the best advice you have ever received? Um, you know, my dad told me growing up, like, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff, and think about your biggest problem, and it's. And think about all the grains of sand on all the beaches in all the world. And if you take one grain, it's like your biggest problem isn't even that big. And those are the kind of things that I grew up, it's sunk in. You know, that's, that's always been the things I remember from growing up. So it's, yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a, and, and here's the thing. It's it's such a beautiful way to describe, right? Mm. That that monkey mind, or however you want to describe it. But it's also a, a beautiful visual. Like at the same time, I get an opportunity to as I I'm first I'm thinking about my problem. Next thing you yeah. know, I'm on a beach. Right. Exactly. I'm on, next thing you know, I'm on a beach, and my dad, who's right being nurturing and loving and caring is explained to me and he's telling me about this story and he's telling me about how this one little tiny grain of sand right is still bigger than my biggest problem right and so here i am just like if i can just kind of see myself on this beach listening to the waves and looking at this grain of sand and that's just like looking at other people i mean i'm just somewhere else away from my problem. Yeah. I think that's, we can tell, you know, stories and metaphors are a great way, you know, to give greater perspective. I think it's, I, I love it. I love it. 100%. Last there's question. One, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, there's one quote that has really got me through the past couple of years of growth, and it's a completely different tack, but it's, um, 
I've had like a lot of professional growth in the past couple of years. And this is what's really done it for me. Leaders know the way they go the way and they show the way. Mm. So if you want to be a leader, quit trying to tell people what to do. Just, you know what to do and go do it. And then they follow you because you're, that's what a leader is. So that's something that's been, especially like leading a team to success. I, I mean, I've been through a lot of different associates <laughs> And it's, it's always challenging, you know, and, and it, trying to bend people to your will is never going to work. And it's, you know, finding my footing there. And that was the one that I always, always come back to. Leaders know the way, they go the way, and they show the way. I know what to do. I will go do it. And when they see me winning, they will follow. <laughs> and it works. <laughs> so that's, and you can see that in the world today, people trying to like coerce people into things. It's like, no, people, people want to follow who they look up to. So if you just be that, then then you'll. We go back to the beginning of our interview. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Quit fucking talking and just do it. All right. So what is one parting piece of wisdom you would like to share with our listeners? Oh, my gosh. I might be all out of wisdom. <laughs> um, trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Um, don't be so hard on yourself and, um, just think about what you have to offer. Um, one thing that really drew me to my church is that their philosophy is stop asking what God can do for you and ask what he can do through you. And so I think that's like a really good way to pull yourself out of something is like, don't stop thinking about what you want and what you need and, and, you know, realize that you have so much value that you you can give to someone else of maybe someone else's need look around and be like oh i'm so needy i'm so needy and be like wait i bet there's people more needy than me let me look for them and that i think is will pull up your self-esteem make you feel really worthy and it's it's all about i think we're all looking for that self-worth and i really believe that that's the key to finding where it is, is if you want to feel valuable, then offer value. So yeah, that's it. Help other people. And so she's, so she, what was that? And be nice to yourself. Be nice to yourself. It was funny. She was like, I don't know if I'm all talked out. And then she drops this bomb, right? It's like, and I'm going to be using this just so you know, I'm just, I'm calling it out right now, but it's like, Stop asking what God can do for you and ask God what he can do through you. I mean, yes. wow. I'll turn you on. Listen, go to my church is called Elevation. They have an app. Their music is on like bestseller stuff. It's, it's an amazing church. Dude. But if this officer is like a personal development speaker, he's amazing. He's definitely the Tony Robbins of pastor. <laughs> this is this is what I'm talking about. We all, I mean, like this is that's who I want to be in the recovery space. You know, yeah. I mean, I want to be the Tony Robbins of the recovery space. It's just like, it's 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 time to, and like you said, right? If you want to be a leader, don't tell people what to do. Do it and let them follow you. Yes. Take massive action, right? Yes. I love it. I love it, Brit. Brit, this was amazing. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Omar. This was a blast. I'm super excited and 
definitely honored that you invited me on as a guest. That's, you know, that's awesome. So thanks so much. Thanks for having this podcast. I'm, I hope it reaches tons of people and makes them feel great. It'll, it'll reach a few thousand. It'll reach a few thousand. So, Britt, if our listeners are in your area and they yeah. want to find out about your school, where is your school? In what state? You know, like, tell us how the website, how can they reach you? Mm-hmm. We're at uplevelmartialarts.com. And we have six locations, uh, most of which are in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. I'm in Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte. I'm just sitting on the state line. Um, yeah, so look us up. And we even have an online up-level university option as well for people who don't have a location. So they can go to the website and learn all kinds of stuff. And we have an awesome YouTube page with tons of curriculum it has all our moves on it and it also has all these testimonials and all these life skills. So I would say go to uplevel martial arts on youtube.com and kind of just explore through all those videos. If you just want to look at a workout, learn a move or get some uplifting advice, it's got all that on there. Beautiful. And actually, if you please, please send, send me those links. So I'll add it to my, to the, to your show notes on my website so when they go to find you they can just go you'll just go to the go to omarpinto.com recovery revolution and check out Brit's show notes and I'll have the webpage the YouTube link you know um, everything you'd like to promote and we are good to go Brit again amazing thank you so much for joining us thank you Omar you rocked it I wish you were going to be in Mexico buddy Dude, next year I'm going. I'll be going f- for sure. Don't you worry. I got all that planned out. A Cabo with M1, and then date with Destiny. Those are my two for 2020. Ah, uh, date with Destiny. Yeah, and yeah. we're done, right? Yeah. No, I- no. Hold on. Uh, we have now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida. Can you give us a pura vida, Brit? Pura vida. Thank you for joining us today on the Recovery Revolution Podcast. For more information about the podcast, to access the show notes, join us in the Recovery Revolution, or to learn about one-on-one coaching with me, then go to www.omarpinto.com. Make sure to check out the website or schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to join the Recovery Revolution.